755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. I'm with Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever, my co-host. Eric, what's up in Seattle, man? Not much. Another beautiful day. How you doing? Doing all right here in uh, in in uh, Muggy hey, ATL. We're in Atlanta, where I've been all season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't move, huh? Here when I travel this year, man. So weird. I'm still not used to it. But hopefully, it's just for one season, dude. One we'll season it ain't bad. It ain't no. bad, you know, because it's so you get you get so used to those getting up at five in the morning, taking a first flight out of town, and just the whole, you know. Getting back to hotel at one in the morning, getting up at six the next day, flight, that kind of thing. It, I don't, I don't miss packing. That's one thing I don't yeah, miss from baseball that, is packing God, suitcases. I dre- and I always procrastinate packing too. Me too. God, I hate doing that. Three in the morning, the night before a flight, I'm packing. Or at the hotel after the last game of a series, I'm packing at night. I'd pack in the morning and just grab everything and just ball it up and <laughs> shove it in there and iron it later. <laughs> <laughs> got, yeah, I got sick of packing. So for one year. It's a, it's kind of a nice break. I mean, I'll be ready to dive back into it next year. The problem is that this year of all years was a bad one for the Braves for it to be because Braves had a great schedule this year. Went yeah. to the Bay Area twice. Went to Seattle in the middle of the summer. You know, it was a cool two what two trips to Chicago? No one. So this this year though, the, the, those trips are they're not going to be pushed back a year. They're no. just skipped. Yeah, so they might skipped. not go back to Seattle for another five years after that. And that's the, and that's the thing we talked about. A lot yeah. of Braves fans are going to end up seeing Mike Trout one time, maybe in you know in fifteen years, his whole career, Jeez. maybe. Yeah, that sucks. But fortunately for the Braves, they did not. Uh, they they uh, kept the All Star game here next year. So that that's cool. Next year. You just hope this whole <laughs> this whole mess is resolved by next year. We'll see. But, I mean, <laughs> yeah, who, I'm, I, all bets know. are off, man. Yeah, but anyway. Uh, Braves are playing in Miami this weekend without Ronald Acuna Jr. and without Ozzie Albies, which Ozzie's been out for a week or a little over a week now. But Acuna joined him in the sore risk brigade when he got scratched on the first day of the series, the two-game series at uh, Yankee Stadium, when his wrist was sore during BP. Ozzy has a bone bruise on his wrist. They did an MRI on Ronald Acuna's, and his is just uh, inflammation. That was the best news they could have possibly got. So they yeah. didn't even put him on the 10-day IL, hoping he'll be back Monday, and we'll have only missed like five games instead of missing 10 if they put him on the IL. But as you know, anytime it's a wrist, a wrist for a hitter, that's, yeah. that's about – I mean, that's like having a sore elbow or shoulder for a pitcher, right? Yeah, and it's – I mean, you saw what it did to Freddie. You know, yeah, it, yeah. It's it's not something that, you know, you think uh, it's just a wrist or a toe or something like that that people should play through. But, I mean, playing at this high of a level, every little thing matters. And, I, you know, honestly, with, with Acuna, you just – if anything's off on that guy, I mean, that's your franchise yeah. player. Yeah, You got to play it safe even in a short season like this. And the problem is this is obviously that the risk – the wrist is used for everything. When you're – Everything. For, for a hitter, you just ha- – you can't get by. We saw, like you said, Freddie was a different hitter with the uh, sore wrist, he still hit for average because it's Freddie, but he didn't hit for power with it. Yeah, I mean, like or, or like Jordan Schaefer. I mean, he was yeah. supposed to be uh, – he messed it up sliding, I think, but he was supposed to be such a good player. I don't know if he would have turned into the prospect he was supposed to be either way because he had time. But, you know, I mean, it, it derailed the, the start of his career. He had a couple homers that first series and then just fell off a cliff once his wrist started hurting. So 
it's it's hard to explain. I mean, yeah, you use it. It's like a back for a pitcher, or or um, you know your elbow or something like that. You use it on every movement. You know, trying if he's trying to check swing, um, could zap his power, could change his swing, mess his swing up. Um, mm-hmm. And I also, you know, it's funny because it seemed like some of the quotes. It might have been bothering him for a little while before this, and and because Snick kind of said, "Well, we had no idea." Almost like it had been going on, and and he didn't really tell him about it. But well, they said well, the, they didn't know what it, what had happened, and, and right. it might have happened when he dove back to a bag, so, right. which would be better than overuse. Yeah. yeah. Either way, though, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. Either way, it's my best case scenario. Just- anytime you do an MRI, they can't find anything wrong. It's frustrating as a player because. Yeah. A lot of times, I mean, I had a knee problem my last few years and they, they did three MRIs, couldn't find anything wrong with it, but it hurt every day. Uh-huh. And it's, you know, it's frustrating as a player not to have that answer, but it's a lot better than them telling you you have to have surgery. Sure. Yeah. Or tear, slight tear. We hope you'll yeah. heal, blah, blah, blah. And with him, man, losing him would, <laughs> that would hurt. <laughs> it's, uh, I guess the the only good uh, saving grace of it is, well, they did a CT scan and an MRI. That's how careful they wanted to be with him yeah. the next day after, you know, doing the x-ray at the at the ballpark and keeping him out of the lineup. I guess the good news is, obviously, it didn't show any tears or anything like that. And it's his left wrist, not his right. So it's not every throw. He's not going to yeah. feel it every time because his arm is a big part of his game, too. And I don't know if he talked to the media or not, but, you know, a lot of times. He didn't after that. You could go into the training room and just say something's bothering you a little bit, and the team can almost overreact and, and completely shut you down to protect right. you. Um, right. So, I mean, it could be that situation where he didn't even think it was a big deal, just wanted some ice, and all of a sudden he's he's getting shut down for five days. But, uh-huh. I, you know, I just I think with, with a guy like him, every organization would play it safe. So they go up to Yankee Stadium, and, you know, they've been, they've been pat- patching this thing together with mm. – you know, bailing wire and, you know, and uh, bubble gum. But uh, it's just the rotation I'm talking about. Yeah. And it kind of it, – it, it stung them up there because they ran into a lineup even without Stanton for both games and without Judge for one of the two games. The Yankees still got so much, so much depth, and they exploit a young, line, a young uh, starter who's all over the place and it's not throwing strikes or, you know, it's not throwing good strikes. And, and they did that against the Braves. And the Braves – you know, scored enough runs to win in normal situations, but not when you're given when you got starters going, you know, a couple of innings and giving up walks and, and runs and you're giving up six runs a game. I mean, it it stung them up there and they lost both those games and they were out of, you know, out really early in one of them and had to come back late to even make it uh, respectable. But uh uh, you, you know, Freed didn't start either of the games up there. When Max Freed doesn't start, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a roll of the dice with his team right now. That's where they are right now. Yeah, and the thing that was the most apparent to me is I, I really don't think this team's going to have a hard time making the playoffs. But mm-hmm. where it hurts the most losing Soroka is the playoffs. You know, like trying to go deep. I mean, maybe you get Cole Hamels back and you feel like you got a pretty good one-two punch with him and Freed. But yeah. I don't see how you can get past a team like the Yankees without an ace or, or maybe two really good quality starters. Cause that, that was the most apparent thing for me was if you have a team like the Yankees facing that bottom half of your rotation, I mean, that was a mm-hmm. tough series. Yeah. Yeah. I think freed is pitching at an ace level right now, but after sure. him, it's just the, it's a precipitous fall. It's not, it, you're going from a number one to f- number fives, you know? Yeah. The way they're yeah, pitching they're, right now, you know, they're number five. They fives. got number two stuff, but yeah, they're pitching like fives because right. they're right. they're trying to learn at the big league level, but they're trying to win too. Um, 
I mean, any starter is going to have a hard time going to Yankee Stadium and facing that lineup. But, I mean, I would have really liked to see Tukey build off that um, mm-hmm. that last start he had. But that's what I was saying. You know, it, you have one good start, everybody gets excited, but you're still yeah. a question mark till you string together yeah. four or five good starts. You know, that's that's when people start feeling good about you. And you just want people to remember this when they're calling for every prospect to come up. You know, yeah. like every prospect is a better option than this guy because he has a four or five ERA. They bring up this prospect. Uh, well, look what <laughs> that prospect did in AAA. And you think yeah. he's going to come up here and all of a sudden pitch the way you want him to pitch? It's yeah. a little different league. That That's I always go back to that point that Brian McCann would make where, you know, people people think that a guy pitching well in AAA – Mm-hmm. Can come up and and the big leagues is like four A or five A, yeah. but you you know you start looking at a guy like Albert Pujols or Mike Trout, they're in sixty seven A. You know, I mean it's not it's not a one level jump. You're trying right. to jump fifty right. levels, and everybody in AAA is pretty much maxing out at that level till they get to the big leagues. But the big league guys, they just keep getting better and better and better, and they're climbing levels. There's just not a higher level to go. Um, yeah, and that's that's why you you see these prospects, you get all excited about them, but it's they're all a question mark until they deliver at you know at the highest level. Yeah, so the Braves will be without Acuna uh, this weekend, also without Albies, and and Snit said that he doesn't. I mean, maybe Snit was just in a pessimistic mood at the time, but he said he didn't really anticipate getting Albies or Matt Adams back next week during the home during the first week of the homestand. Um, Ozzy's been out, you know, a little, about 10 days now with a bone bruise in his wrist, which is obviously a little worse than, you know, a little inflammation. Bone bruises can be really nasty. I mean, yeah. Still, I mean, still better than a tendon or something. Oh, but. yeah, no doubt. But, uh, I mean, if you don't get him back soon, if you'd have had, even with the bad pitching, you know, the bad starting pitching you got up in uh, New York, if you'd have had the full lineup with a healthy Acuna, healthy Albies, you know, Matt Adams coming off the bench. The, the the Yankees had enough cracks in their pitching up there too that you yeah. could have you could have hung with them with your regular lineup. But you combined having not having your lineup and then then the shaky pitching that was just too much to overcome. Yeah, it's too much. I mean, you could feel really good about where the offense has been at the bullpen, but they definitely got to get the uh, the rotation figured out quick. Um, I mean, they made they made the games interesting in a sense, you know, coming yeah. back and, and scoring late, but. You know that's why you gotta you gotta have somebody. You can't give up six runs in the first couple three innings and expect to you know close on the Yankees. And they almost did if they would have made it. You know if you can just get somebody to go five innings, four runs with this offense, you got a shot. Yeah, yeah. And then and then I, you know we've asked. I'll, I'll get to this in a minute, but the the bullpen has just done yeoman work so far. But yeah, you know, the question's been asked several times, and they keep you know they keep downplaying it, and Snit does too. But how long is it sustainable to go to the bullpen for five innings every game? You know, if you're getting four innings out of your starters, and and as as good as this bullpen is, you're gonna have some, you're gonna have some times where like Matzik and and uh, Tomlin each give up two runs in that last game in New York, and it was almost yeah. like that was the twentieth game in twenty days, and it was almost like okay, uncle, you know. Yeah, they're not going to be perfect. They can't be perfect. They were until then. They hadn't given up runs, but, you know, they gave up four in there. And to me, it was almost like, okay, they need this off day really bad and they need to reset this pitch. Yeah, and the the hardest part about, you know, not having uh, starters that consistently go four, five, six innings. I mean, even in this weird season, I'm saying four, five, six, but really you want five, six, seven. Mm -hmm. But the hardest thing is just you have to keep getting relievers up. You know, so yeah. I, I don't I didn't see the bullpen usage, but that might have been Matzik's third time up that day. 
You know, he, he or right. or Tomlin might have been warming up in the second, warming up in the third, coming in in the fourth. You know, things like that. That's what really catches up with your pen is is the manager having to keep guys hot. You know, because he's yeah. not sure of you. And if you have a guy like Soroka out there and he gets first and second in the second inning and one out, you're not getting anybody up. You know, because sure. you got you got the confidence that he's going to get through it. But mm-hmm. when it's a guy that's been hit or miss and and been known to give up a four spot out of out of the blue, you know, anytime. Every time he starts giving up mm-hmm. a couple base runners, somebody's throwing in the pen. Somebody's starting to warm up, and mm-hmm. that's what really catches up with the relievers. That's that's why that job's so hard to do, like what Tomlin does, because this guy's available from mm-hmm. the second till the ninth. Um, and after twenty days of, of that, I mean, I'm sure he was right. getting pretty right. gas. And it, it doesn't just it not only wears you out um, physically, but it wears you out mentally too. Uh, just always staying ready, always always looking at the lineup. You know, it's it, it's so nice for a pitching staff to have that day where. You know, for Soroka and Freed were going out there, they kicked their feet up for the first five innings. You know, they didn't even have to stretch. Right. You, you know you're going to get a good start out of them 95% of the time. Um, but having three starters right now that you just – you don't know what's going to happen every time out there. Um, the bullpen's on their toes the whole game. So that that's the type of stuff that, that can catch up with you too. Yeah, like you said, the combination of having that, having three starters that you don't know if they can get out of the second inning, plus – where every game is so important, where you can't yeah. sacrifice a yeah. game. So every game, Snit's pitching like a managing it like it's yeah. a playoff game, you know? So yeah. so those guys, I'm sure, are, like you said, up all the time. I mean, yeah. Tomlin's it, never going to say a word. He's just going to keep doing no. it. But it, No, that's why you love him. But, yeah. you know, you, you anticipate that with this short of a season, and I think that's, you know, that's the biggest reason why the league has all those extra right. roster spots, which is the only right. thing saving the pen. But – um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's tough mentally on the whole team. Uh, and and Matzik, not knowing what you're getting. And that's like being up by multiple times in that game, like you said. But he also ended up giving up the runs in his third inning out there. It was two and a third as long as two. Yeah, year. yeah. So it's like it was almost like it, you could just see him cracking, you know. But that. having him go three, you know, maybe they're thinking, you know, stretch him out a little bit, and see how he does. We'll get to that in a little bit too here. Um, I got a quote from him on that. But okay, so Wright starts again Friday night in Miami. So far, he's not been able to put together a solid inning all the way through. Shown flashes, shown two, three innings, and he's gotten out of a lot of jams. But his problem is the same thing as they've been. You know, in his spots of three, he's been up for parts of three seasons, and every time it's the same thing. Command walks. He's got uh, six, seven, five ERA and three starts this season with ten walks, eleven strikeouts, and twelve innings. And in his MLB career. He has 29 walks with 34 strikeouts in 37 and two-thirds innings over 14 games, including seven starts. I mean, it's a kind of a typical M.O. for a pitcher coming up, even a one that was a first-round draft pick out of a place like Vanderbilt. You know, they might have never walked guys in college or in the minors, but they get up to the big leagues, and all of a sudden, things are different. Well, and that's the other hard part about it is there's three other, there's two other guys trying to figure it out or three other guys trying to figure it out, too. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you had a solid rotation and you just threw right in the five spot, then when his day comes up, you know, maybe there's more patience, but you got to think about tomorrow. There's a question mark tomorrow, you know? So, yeah. I mean, it's it's really tough to manage. I don't envy Snit right now, but he's, you know, he's shown flashes that start in Tampa. I mean, he was beating him with his fastball and then he went to a slider a bunch and an inning yeah. and started falling behind um, and stuff like that. And those, those are the growing pains that every pitcher has to go through. It's just, you know, it's unfortunate for a lot of these guys that there's there's so many of them trying to figure it out right now that there's no patience for it. Yeah, If it was just the, one guy, there'd be so much more patience. All those first two innings in Tampa where he struck out the first three dudes, 
threw like nine strikes and 10 pitches or whatever it was. He was and beating him with his fastball. I mean, mm-hmm. his fastball was jumping on him. He looked confident. And then, you know, kind of all falls apart. And that's that's a growing pains is learning how to control those innings and avoid the big ones. And there's just not – there's no patience for it right now. So I asked Kyle Wright a question. I think a, a lot of people, a lot of laymen and a lot of fans and a lot of, a lot of us it just wonder sometimes why – you look at Josh Tomlin out there throwing seven to 10 miles slower than, than these young dudes coming up who are throwing mid high nineties. You look at Tomlin going out there and throwing, you know, upper eighties and having so much success and getting all this soft contact, and you know, and, and, and you wonder why it's not easy to just throw strikes. Like everybody says, they're sitting at home, just throw strikes. And I asked Kyle about that. I said, do when you watch Josh Tomlin, people at home are wondering why can't you guys just throw strikes like Josh Tomlin? And he oh, answered, he, he was great, man. He said, <laughs> "Here's a, nice a quote." Question. He said, Kyle said, <laughs> "I mean, Josh Tomlin is incredible. What he's been able to do for us this year and really his whole career, the way he executes pitches, all of his pitches, not just one. He truly can kind of put it where he wants it. It's just really tough on hitters when they don't know what's coming or where it's going to be. For me." I'm trying to get a little more Josh Tomlin in my game, execute pitches and put them where I want to. If you can kind of keep hitters always guessing what pitch you're going to throw and being able to throw all his pitches for strikes and put them in areas where you want them to be, it gets tough on hitters. I feel like I'm slowly doing a better job with that. Got to continue to get better to watch Josh Tomlin pitch. But, yeah, it's not easy to do what he does because you don't want to walk guys but you also don't want to give them anything too good to hit because the hitters up here are so good. They're big leaguers for a reason. So it's not easy to do what he's doing and it's not easy to execute the way he does. No, it's not. I mean, it's an art and he's, he's had so much time to practice it. He's confident in it now. You know, I mean, nuke threw a strike three, one to Harper. (laughs) You you can pitch at him about the walk. It's not just about throwing strikes, you know, it's, it's about quality strikes. Right. Um, And that's, a lot of it's confidence, you know, it, there's a thing where if you ever doubt a pitch you throw in the big leagues, if you like if you come set and the ball just doesn't feel right in your hand and you throw it anyway or you're not 100% convicted, um it's a tater or or a double in the gap every time. It, there's just something about conviction and believing in the pitch and and the way you move and how free you move when you're completely convinced that you're throwing the right pitch and you're going to get an out mm-hmm. versus having any self-doubt. And and that's you know, that's another thing is, is building confidence in this league. I, I see, I see Kyle as a guy that's just kind of, he, he starts losing his confidence when he's falling behind. And that's, that's when he nibbles a little bit. And then you got to come in the zone and you're doubting it, but you know, you have to throw a strike and you throw a meatball. Um, it, it's just a matter of just building that confidence. And if you watch Tomlin, I mean, he'll throw a cutter and it's 87, but he throws the shit out of it. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's never babying anything. He's coming at the yeah. hitters and, that's why they talk about attacking hitters and being aggressive. Um, it's more of a mindset, but it's crazy, man. I, I mean, like if I was just sell out and just let it eat and throw a fastball into a right-handed hitter and I believed in it, it'd be a pop-up or something every time. But if I doubted my pitch, I could throw a sinker on the black down and away at the knees, and it's a it's a double in the gap. It's uh-huh. it's the craziest thing um, pitching, you know, as far as confidence and conviction goes, but it plays out like every single time and it, you just see him kind of start nibbling and you can see him losing confidence and starting to doubt himself. And that's when he either walks somebody or starts getting hit hard. It's amazing. When I look back that Josh Tomlin signed a minor league contract this winter, it really is. That's, you know, that some team didn't look at what he does and go, we need that guy. <laughs> 
you know, I think every team just sees the stuff and they're just waiting for it yeah. to stop yeah. working. You know, right. nobody wants to be at his age. One of these years, he's going to go out there and he's going to believe in himself and <laughs> it's yeah. not going to matter. He's just like not going to be good. Cologne. Right. Bartolo, you know, he was throwing 86 and still getting outs. <laughs> and then all but, of a sudden he wasn't. <laughs> and then you're done and you're stuck paying a guy two mil yeah. guaranteed. Yeah, you're right. You know, you right. can't cut bait. So that's what the older players, most teams are kind of just playing it safe and waiting for you to fall apart. But, you know, there's a balance between that and the young guy throwing 97 with no confidence or control. Yeah. You know, there's a balance to it. I asked, so I asked Kyle, I said, so you guys who throw 10 miles an hour hard are still admire what Josh is doing then? You can admire it? And he goes, yeah. I mean, like you said, anybody can see it the way he executes. He really throws all his pitches in any part of the strike zone. Being a hitter, that's tough to account for every single pitch and every single part of the strike zone. You got too much to look for, and you just kind of get caught off guard. I thought it was a pretty good way to put it. Yeah, and, you know, if the other thing he does is if he if he goes to a 2-0 slider or something like that, he places it. He doesn't. He doesn't just throw a get me over or, or uh-huh. try to make it too nasty where he throws a ball. I mean, that's that's executing pitches. But um, he he really mixes it up and yeah, he keeps them off balance. It's it's you know it's it's so easy to just sit here and say what you have to do, but it's a totally different ball game when you're standing on the mound yeah. and, and have to make the pitches. You know, it's it, yeah. it looks easy on TV, but it's not. And Aaron Judge is standing in the street. yeah in the yeah. Go ahead, spot. just no, just down and away gets him out. Six foot seven. That was something I had to do my rookie year. I had to throw a fastball in 3-2 to Vladimir Guerrero. <laughs> and I was just kind of – my mindset was just to always go down in flames. You know, uh-huh. like if, I'm not going to walk this guy here. It's Vlad Guerrero. Let's just make the pitch and see what happens. And it's crazy. You know, you hit the glove, you make the pitch, you execute, and you believe in yourself. And all of a sudden, you're jamming Vlad Guerrero. He's the ground ball to shortstop. But wow. if you overthink it or overthrow it, you know, you miss just a couple inches – a couple yeah. inches more plate or a couple inches higher, and it's a tank. God, that had to be a good feeling as a rookie. It was not. I just wanted it to be over with. <laughs> <laughs> when you got him out, though. Yeah, no, it was great when I got him out, but it was just kind of like I could just Terrifying. exhale and jogged off the mound and got out of there. <laughs> he I was, just wanted out of the game. I mean, uh, for the time I've been doing this, he is easily the best bad ball hitter that I've ever yeah. seen. Easily. I mean, everybody knows he, he literally hit. He literally got a base hit off a ball that bounced. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me in that situation, I, I was throwing a lot of sliders and off speed pitches and stuff. I don't think he thought I had the balls to challenge him inside. So, uh-huh. you know, smart hitter, he just eliminated that pitch. And then when I made it, you know, I think it was 88, 88 inner half and it jammed him. And little things like that, though, those are the things that kind of open your eyes and, and that's how you build confidence. But yeah. until you do it, until you go through it, you know, I, I didn't necessarily. I wouldn't have called that pitch. I would have thrown another slider. But the right. the catcher came out, told me he's like, "You got to come in here." You know, those are things. That's how you build confidence and get that experience. Dude, were you were you with the uh, team the year that uh, I'm trying to think? I think no, you weren't with when Mike Hampton was here, right? That was that, that was before. I missed him. I think 08 was his last year or 07. Yeah, Mike Hampton gave up a home run to Vlad Guerrero in Montreal, and the place was about empty except for the what do they call those horns? You know, those Air horns. horns. Yeah. <laughs> They're called the Vizugals or whatever. <laughs> That's not the word, but it sounds like that. It's what they used at the, uh, Vuvuzela. Vuvuzela. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> exactly. the soccer horns. Yeah. yeah. That's what they sound like. The same horns they used in Montreal all those years, as you know, as you heard them up there. Mm-hmm. Place is empty. All years. One of those random, like, you know, he gives up a home run to Vlad Guerrero that, 
Vlad pulled to left field just inside the line and it sliced and went out and, and it was a liner and it yeah. bounced off the wall below, just below the roof. And it was the loudest thud when it hit the wall, <laughs> dude, it was like, Oh my God, that just wasn't even human. Oh um, yeah. I remember. Man, do you remember the ball? Um, do you remember the ball Stanton hit off of Medlin? Yeah. It was probably his, yes. his first or second year. It, yes. He hit a ball that was still going up. <laughs> like a fan had to, a fan had to reach up and almost ripped his glove off in right yeah. center field. Um, you know, but those are the guys that you know they're not expecting with that kind of power. They're used to getting pitched down in a way. They're used to getting pitched around or right. people not challenging them. And and all of a sudden you throw them a three two fastball and it kind of catches them off guard. But it's all about having the confidence to make the pitch because if you're not confident, you know you overthrow it, you leave it middle. It's a it's a homer too. That was the one thing. As much as uh, as I as I uh, uh, hate what Barry Bonds became with the steroids. That was the yeah. one thing that I never stopped appreciating was the fact that even in his roided out peak, the dude only got most games, one or one two pitch. pitches to hit and, <laughs> and he, he hit didn't it. miss them. How yeah. can you be up there getting walked two, three times a game? And then a guy makes a mistake, leads one over the plate and you hit it 500 feet. I mean, he just did not miss bad, uh, poorly located pitches. Well, I mean, it helps when you don't have to swing hard. You know, and you know that if <laughs> yeah. you just touch it, it's gone. Yeah, you know, he, he had so much help. But yeah, I remember I, you can't, you know, whether you have to appreciate the greatness that was on display, however right. he got there. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I saw him hit one ball. He hit a it was spring training only live at bat. I saw and I was I was sitting behind the stands. I just want to see him play. Uh-huh. Um, he hit a ball middle in. He hit it over the second baseman's head, a slicing line drive. He inside outed it, and it hit the top left center corner of the batter's eye on a on a line. I mean, it was still going up 450 feet away, and I was like, you know, it, no matter how he's doing that, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen on a baseball field. It's fortunate he didn't kill someone. Seriously, seriously I, especially without the netting, but he kept yeah. it on the field. I mean, he he barely ever pulled balls foul. Um, he had, to, had that ability to stay inside the inside pitch and keep it fair. That's short I remember he had, Jesus. 2011, I was dicing up lefties. I mean, it, I, I could throw any lefty a sinker in, and they'd either j- get jammed on it or swing over it. And I remember asking David Ross, because um, Rossi caught um, for the Dodgers when Bonds was at his peak. Uh-huh. And I was like, dude, can I get Bonds out now? You know, I, I just wanted to, I, I just want to see. I was like, you've caught me. You've seen him. What, what do I got for him? He goes, dude, you have absolutely nothing for him. He goes, he goes, if he had 10 at bats off you, he'd hit nine homers. And I was like, shit. But it made me appreciate, you know, the greatness. <laughs> yeah. You had great player, arguably the best. I thought he was the best player in the game for two or three years when he was in Pittsburgh. So yeah. you add the best player in the game and you add 30 pounds of artificially enhanced yeah. muscle and you get what you got. I mean, think about throwing that on Acuna or throwing it on Trout right now. Exactly. What you get. Exactly. You know, or Freddie Freeman, you know? Oh, Freddie. Yeah. 30 yeah. pounds on Freddie Freeman of pure muscle. Yeah. I mean, come <laughs> It'd be on. Crazy. I mean, you're kind of seeing, I don't know. These balls are a little sketchy. I've right. seen some. I've seen some real question, like almost comical, opposite field home runs this year. So I think that's almost yeah getting guys at least back to the point where they feel like they don't have to swing that hard to hit it out. I watched but, yesterday the highlights because what you had said last time about you think that the ball's live again, and I was watching it yesterday, and I agree with you. Some of the there's some just some opposite field homers from from guys that are under 200 pounds at Dodger Stadium. You know where the ball yeah. doesn't fly. Yeah. It, it just makes you question a few things. 
Yeah, that that was where I saw the highlights of that. There was a game where there was like seven homers hit. Yeah. Somebody lost. Somebody hit what five and lost or seven and lost. Yeah. Toronto yeah, did hit twelve or some shit. Yeah. Anyway. But that's that's the thing I don't like about it is is when you see Acuna hit those balls to opposite field, you got to ask a question. You yeah. know, I'd rather just appreciate the swing and and yeah, know he earned too. it. Yeah. Listeners, producer Cam here. It is time to elevate your full-body grooming game with Manscaped. And guess what? They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. And inside the Perfect Package 3.0 kit, there is a lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations around your manscaping routine. And guess what? You'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver inside the Perfect Package. And it is an anti-chafing undercarriage deodorant and moisturizer because guess what? We all know how painful chafing can be. Subscribe to the Perfect Package to get a new blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. You heard that right. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the promo code THEATHLETIC20, all one word, and that's two zero for the 20. And... For limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag at $39 value and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Brief. So, once again, go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC20. Uh, changing <laughs> changing speeds here. We got uh, Cleveland. There's this this mess going on there. This is the kind of thing you hate seeing if you're on, on your team or if you're covering a team. <laughs> Zach Plesak said he feels like he and Mike and his teammate and, and uh, rotation mate Mike Clevenger have been unfairly portrayed as bad people in the aftermath of the, the two of them being quarantined by the team for violating COVID-19 protocol last weekend in Chicago. Plesak, who's 25, he said he posted a six-minute video on Instagram where he said he wanted to get out the truth to the fans, but it came across as just whiny and entitled and it's like dude you would have been better off just shutting up i made it i would want to throw up the whole time i was watching that thing yeah i I made it through about two minutes so this guy's full of shit but (laughs) and he thought it was good you know yeah no he thought he's nailing it (laughs) driving through traffic live video let me just let me just put everybody in check real quick let me fill you in on on the truth everybody's like oh you're just letting us know you're an idiot uh you know that's the type of thing that you need good veterans on your team i mean i think about like a guy like bob wickman or or uh you know arthur rhodes or something being on that team there's zero chance you're driving to the field posting an ig video (laughs) <laughs> knowing that that guy is going to see it, you know, that that's one of the things that I feel like um, that a lot of the veteran, you know, hazing stuff that, w- that was going on maybe wasn't good, yeah. but having, having guys like that to answer to, or even David Ross, you know, if you had David Ross yeah. on your team and you posted that video, as soon as you walk in the clubhouse, it's going to explode and he's going to roast you for 10 minutes straight. The whole team's going to be <laughs> laughing at you. That's the type of stuff Our Eric that Hinsky. <laughs> Hinsky, yeah. Oh, Hinsky would destroy him for that video. Um, and, and it, you know, Hinsky would get on the, on the mic, on the bus, you know, when you, when you're driving to the next city and he would just have you come up and tell that story again and just roast you the whole time. But I think that's one thing that's starting to be missing from the game a little bit is it's, you know, that, that was how you kept young guys humble. You know, you kept them from getting too entitled and, and not thinking the world revolves around them because, I don't think there's a single person that watched that video and, and was like, damn, he really right. nailed that. Cha- you changed my stance. Yeah. 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 And that's what you need veterans for. 
I agree. I mean, and, and you saw it with the Marlins. I mean, they they went out and had 17 guys test positive or whatever it was. They yeah. went out to a strip joint. I mean, that's where you got to have veterans the next day or before the day so, before, <laughs> right? So that they know what's going to happen if this if they do this and get caught, you know. But they they're probably fearing nobody's going to call us out on this, you know. If if if, if they if they, if somebody hears that we were out, nobody's going to say anything. Yeah, and look, they're going to test positive. They're not bad people. They're they're right. twenty five year old Kids, guys yeah. that just they're, they're just young making bad decisions. But you need guys on your team that you yeah. you know. I I used Gotta to when I was mix. I'd be driving to the field and I'd be checking the clock and I'd be in that four hundred traffic trying to get to Turner Field, and the only person on my mind yeah. was David Ross, <laughs> how he's going to blow me up if I'm not to the field before him. You know <laughs> it, it, those type of things. They just they keep you in check and, and acting right and. I don't know. I mean, I don't know who the veterans are on Cleveland's team, but it for well, me he that's was with one of them, Clevenger. <laughs> that's yeah, but that's not really Clevenger's uh, what three, four years in, yeah, you're five right. years it, in. Yeah, you're you need talking a salty, grown man with kids veteran. and yeah. a mortgage that's just pissed off and <laughs> we're looking for yeah. someone to wear out every day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And B Mac was like that at the end of his career. He could do that, you know, to guys. Yeah, well, he had he had a lot of tact to it, and and it's right. it's honestly, you know, with young guys now, you can't just yell at them. Or you're uh-huh. just an asshole. Um, you know, I've, I've found the best tactic was to kind of hang out with them and mm-hmm. earn their trust and and not want have them not want to disappoint you. Um, that works a lot better with, with this generation coming up. You can't just scream at them. And for me, coming up, it was, you just got screamed at. So you did nothing wrong. And we just had to wear it on the chin because we were outnumbered. But there's so many young guys now, you kind of have to have a, a different approach. And BMAC was really good at that. You know, you, you, he was a guy you didn't want to disappoint. He was going right. to do everything right, work his ass right. off. And and he was a guy you had to like answer Freddie. to in a different way. Yeah, Freddie does the same thing. Yeah. But, you know, the Braves haven't had any trouble because of the, I think, because of the leaders they got. Yeah. Yeah. You, well, can you imagine trying to explain to Nick Marcakis why you, out, why you had to go out <laughs> no. and, uh, to the strip joint? <laughs> no. Yeah, he's not buying it. He'd just stone face you. He might punch you yeah. in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a conversation. Uh, so please like acknowledge breaking the team curfew Saturday at, with when he and Clevenger left the team hotel, went out to dinner and socialized with police acts friends. Uh, police act had pitched the day early, earlier in that earlier that day. Uh, Indians were told by MLB security about the players being out in public. The team got a car service to drive police act home. So he wouldn't risk exposing himself to teammates in the flight. <laughs> if, if he was infected, they didn't know at the time whether, uh, they didn't. Uh, oh, and Clevenger, Clevenger didn't tell the team he was he was with Plesac, and he right. flew home with the team. So if he had tested positive, they don't know you. They haven't said you know because they're they're doing the. That's why he's laying low. He didn't post any statements, right? <laughs> but if he tested positive, he would could have infected the whole team on the on the yeah. flight. So they yeah, were both you know. placed on the restricted list Tuesday. And fellow pitcher Adam Plutko said Plesac and Clevenger had hurt us bad. They lied to us. Ooh. When you hear that in the clubhouse. Yeah. You know, the whole we're being cast as bad. I don't think the media really came at him on this one, but you got to understand that's part of the risk you're taking is it's, it's not just, mm-hmm. it's going to be out there and, and there's no, there's no way to sugarcoat just going out and having a night. And, and I, I think he's still lying to himself, you know, thinking he said some stuff like, well, people are going to live, but right. You know, you got to take this a lot more seriously than that. And they didn't. Yeah. Francona said uh, they've got some trust to earn back, and they're going to have to earn yeah. that back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You would think Francona play, playing for a guy like Francona, you'd get it. You'd get it, and not do something stupid like that. But 
Oh, he's got away with players. He's he's pretty. Oh, I think yeah. he's probably one of the most lenient managers there are, and it's that's part of the reason why he does so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a, he's definitely a players manager up there with Bobby Cox and mm-hmm. and Snit. But uh, but I nobody, can't imagine trying to slip this one by Bobby though. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> guys. Bobby Cox was a players manager, but he was that rare players manager that not one guy would do something that would disrespect him or that would, would would put them out of favor with him. In other words, they're like they appreciated the fact that he was such a player's manager and had no rules. That's why it struck me. So much respect. You just had so much respect for him. And he treated you so well you never wanted to let him down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean we used to have to wear uh you know slacks at the hotel all the time. Yeah. So if you if you wanted to go get a McDonald's breakfast sandwich, you put your slacks on. And it was one of those things <laughs> oh, where you had school, s- man. so much respect for Bobby that you you wake up and you weren't even going to try to walk down there and, and gym shorts or something and sneak out of the hotel. You just woke up, ironed your slacks. I mean, I was so bad at wearing those clothes. I always felt like I looked like I was trying to get a job, not like I had a great one. But you just you woke up, you ironed your slacks, and you went and got your sandwich in that in that button down and and that <laughs> that full outfit because you had so much respect for Bobby. You know, he he never did anything wrong to you. Uh, I mean, he treated you so well as long as you didn't cross him. <laughs> You're like, if Bobby could put the spikes on with his artificial yeah. knees, I can put my slacks yeah. on to go get my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> this dude's walking around with, with no knees left and, and cleats every single day. I can't I can't throw some slacks and dress shoes on. <laughs> Oh, so police act says the media is terrible, man. They do some evil things to create stories and make things sound better and make things sound worse. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's just that's just him lying to himself. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure in some cases that happens, but not this one. He said it breaks my heart for people to think I'm a bad teammate or a bad person, but I wanted to share with you guys that moving forward, there's a selflessness lesson taught here. And at the end of the day, I want everybody to be healthy. I want to be good. a good teammate. I want to win baseball games, man. That's cool. what I want to do. Awesome. And then Paul Hoynes <laughs> is kind of the legendary writer up in Cleveland said, he, I liked what he, on his lead of his story, he wrote a long time ago when Brian Sipe was the Browns quarterback, he was unhappy with some of his teammates preparation during the week before a game. A couple of players had fallen asleep during some team meetings. Sipe called them out publicly starting one of those two or three day brush fires that fans love so much. Tom DeLeon, the late and underappreciated center who played for the Browns at that time, was asked about the back and forth between Sipe and some teammates. DeLeon did not go into detail but said, the more you stir it, the more it stinks. Yeah. (laughs) Damn, Plesak brought a blender to this one. (laughs) And uh, that's what Hoyne said. Those words are words to live by for Zach Plesak and whoever is currently advising them. Or maybe somebody should just tell him to stop talking. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Sums it uh, up. Uh, so the Braves left New York. They man, they that game. Did you watch that game? It felt like it lasted six hours. Yeah, because it, it was just such a boring game, and they don't have the good crowd noise or whatever, and they don't have the cutouts behind home plate. The one I think the only ballpark that doesn't have the cutouts. And you're right, it makes a big difference. Yeah. It, on a bad game with no cutouts back there, it looks like some kind of. Uh, it just looks weird, man. It does. I, that's what I was saying is just having anything back there. And even, you know, the crowd noise and stuff, I keep getting fooled by it you yeah. know, with, with, with broadcasters and that little rumble of the crowd. Yeah. I, I forget all the time. I'm not watching the game, but you watch those Yankee stadium games and you just see, you know, those seats are halfway empty all the time because they're so expensive, I right. think, but right. you see nothing back there. It's, it's pretty obvious. There's no fans. It looks like uh, a workout, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It looks like an inner squad. 
So the Braves didn't leave New York till well after midnight. I'm, I'm guessing they probably got into to Miami. I'll ask Snit today, probably about 4 a.m. So, which is probably good because this is their first off day, scheduled off day of the season after 20 games in 20 days. And of all places to be for that off day, Miami is the, maybe the last place they wanted to be right now with COVID-19 outbreak down there and the restrictions they have on staying in. So I know a lot of players were hoping maybe they'd either get a balcony with sun or they'd be able just to go to that little beach because they stay in a, at the Ritz-Carlton on Cuba's game, I think, still. And they have kind of a private beach there. It's not like, you know, going to South Beach or something. So I think they were kind of hoping they'd be able to go out there just a little bit on the off day. But, but that's why they stay there in the first place, though. It's it's a solid 30 minutes to, yeah. to you know, South Beach or somewhere. I mean, it's, it's a, hike a lot of guys beach. wind up staying in when you go to – uh, Miami anyway, just staying out in Key Biscayne because uh-huh. it's, it's a pain in the ass. You can't get a taxi off that island anyway. You know, like it's yep. hard, but I can't imagine, you know, nobody really would have messed that up, but you can go hang out at the beach, I'm sure, if, yeah. you, if you keep your distance. Yeah. Um, and they needed this off day. Oof. You know, at the time, we knew it was going to be rough, 20 games in 20 days, but nobody could have foreseen all the injuries they would have. Right. And and then, you know, Acuna added to the to at the end of it. So they kind of limped into this thing. And when you look at it, if you'd have told them you were going to be without all those starting pitchers and they were going to be out the, without Acuna for almost half of those 20 games, you know, and, and then with Freddie coming off the COVID-19 and having only five, you know, inter-squad yeah. games, if you'd have said all that and said you're going to be 11 and 9 after 20 games, you'd have said we'll take that every day of the week. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, it, you know, it helps so much having having those extra playoff spots too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's kind of been a mess. It's not as bad as some teams have had it, you know, Cardinals right. only playing a few games, but all said and done, man. I mean, I, I don't see this team having trouble making it to the playoffs, but gotta you got to get the starting pitching figured out. I mean, there's, it's so glaring. I think he's got to make a trade, man. You got to go get some, somebody like a Lance Lynn, somebody that's available, you know, that's good. It can't just, well, be somebody- you know, even right now you got time. If, if you just had one more guy mm-hmm. that, like a like Lance Lynn, that even if he puts up a four, but he's going five or six innings and saving your bullpen every time out, um, you got to have a one more guy at least that you feel like you can, you know, consistently what you're going to get out of him. And also, if you could go into the playoffs with a Freed, a Lance yep. Lynn, and then one of these other guys maybe emerging by then, you know, solidifying a spot or, or Hamill's back. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think Hamill's is the, is a big one. Right. If you could have those three, though, that wouldn't be bad. That all? No, not at all. No, because you could start freed twice and then match up Hamels or Lynn, however you mm-hmm. like it. Um, but you're not. You're also not going to get. I don't see this year getting a pitcher of of, of the caliber of Hamels uh, any other way. You know, unless you give up your farm, but no right. team's going to do that. And you don't even know if the playoffs are going to happen. Right. right, 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 no doubt. Um, so yeah, I was just looking at it. I mean, you could argue to me the Braves are without three of their four most indispensable players right now. Yeah. And that's Soroka, Acuna, Albies, and the only one of the four, obviously, that's still standing is the guy that is the only one over 23 years old. They'll be 31 soon and had COVID-19 last month. Freddie Freeman. Mm-hmm. Who would have, who would have thought that right now? Yeah, I mean, you know that it's a strong team. It, you, you watch like you know late in the games, they're always coming back. The, the bullpen's yeah. nasty. The, the lineup, the lineup's putting up runs. Ozuna's been an awesome surprise. Yes, um, and the catchers are really playing great baseball. They're they're hitting. Yeah, calling good games, playing good defense, not getting a lot of pass balls, throwing some guys out. I mean, the catchers can't be. 
overstated how good they've been. I mean, people don't like Flowers. Some people don't like him or whatever. He's playing his ass off, and Darno's been a huge addition. Yeah, yeah. He can hit, man. Oh, he rakes. That's, he's, his only problem's ever been staying healthy. Yeah. Um, but you look at, you know, another team that didn't have the vibe this team has. You know, that's that's why I always, I'm always big on the clubhouse stuff. But mm-hmm. this team still knows how to win and stay in games, and, and they never give up. You know, th- there's something about this team that's that's just different than a lot of other ones that, that you feel good about. Um, and you just, you hope they can weather the storm while the rotation sorts itself out because, you know, they, they got that magic late in games. They got the mm-hmm. bullpen. Um, I think they're going to win all the games they're, they're supposed to or the ones they're winning. There's not going to be a lot of meltdowns and stuff. And I, honestly, I'd, I'd almost rather have rotation questions than bullpen questions because those losses are more crushing when, when you give away games. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it, the team doesn't scare me itself. It's it's a good squad. It's just there's just some questions they got to answer. And third base, they weren't getting anything from until the no. last few days. Camargo hit a couple of bombs. They got to hope that that's a sign of things to come because those guys, Riley and Camargo, after having great springs, they stunk it up the first two weeks as far as hitting. I mean, there was a couple of bombs from Riley, but that was it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then you, you, Camargo, two of the last three, I think he homered, showing a little bit of signs, but they need some production from those guys, man. Uh, the bullpen, deepest in the NL. But relievers had already pitched 86 and two-thirds innings. And Is that leading the league? Yes. Well, no, Giants were the only one, the rebuilding Giants, you know. Yeah. They were the only other NL team going into Thursday that had pitched 80 innings of relief. They had 88 and a third. Now, the Braves had pitched had, had one or two more games than most teams, but still, they were averaging over four, a little, uh, four innings uh, a game from the relievers. The relievers yeah, are going as, as much as the starters. It'd be really scary if you didn't have those extra roster spots too. Mm-hmm. So despite having played uh, more games going into Thursday than 12 of the other 14 teams, Atlanta starters were just seventh in the in, in innings pitch with 83 and third. So the relievers had pitched, what, three more innings than the starters. The starters have barely averaged four a game, and that's with Soroka going six and five and a third in his two before he got hurt. Yeah, I mean, you've thrown a Noah out there, too, a couple times where you're not expecting more than two out of him. Yeah, I mean, Soroka and Freed, they've done it every time out, but the other guys, it's only been a few that have gone past four. Yeah, it's it's not sustainable. Yeah, that's what we asked uh, Shane Green. So that even with a 28-man roster and as deep as that bullpen is, is this sustainable for the bullpen to go cover five and six innings most nights? And Shane Green said what you would hope he would say. He said, yeah. What he has to say. Yeah. He said, we got a lot of good arms out there. It's a short season, which obviously will help, and we all want to win. Winning is the number one goal here. As long as we have the understanding that winning the baseball game is what's most important and we can come together as a family and as a team, it makes the situation much easier. And we're not the only team that's dealing with this with this season. No. Everybody's got to deal with the same thing. So if we can stay healthy, we'll be all right. Well, yeah, that's the question. Can they stay healthy, you know, or at least not worn out? Yeah, you know, like I said earlier, the only the only real threat to the health, you know, obviously besides injuries just happen, but it's just wearing the guys out, having to, yeah. having to warm up so much to cover the starters. And you're usually going to be beating up your long guys and stuff, so it's not going to be your big dogs getting up in the third and fourth inning, but – you know, it still has an effect. Luke Jackson come in the fourth two days in a row, and all of a sudden he's down, and then you got to cover six the next day, and it, it just kind of piles on from there. But really, I mean, if 
if they find a way to get just one more starter, one more guy that, that can kind of give the bullpen a break, it'd be huge. Man, you just think where Felix Hernandez could fit in right now. Even if he was giving up four runs, if the guy would he's go perfect. six innings, you know, he would He'd be perfect. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I know he's regretting it. He's got to be. Eric, before we move on, let's hear from one of our partners in the Chino. I think it said a lot that Huascar, Huascar, Huascar Hinoa, the rookie, <laughs> easy for me to say, had never started a game in the majors. The dude started two times in a four-day span this week, <laughs> including once at Yankee Stadium. He was the yeah. opener. Without calling him the opener, he was the opener because they didn't expect him to go more than two or three innings, and he didn't. He had one good one in Philly, went two and a third innings, one hit, one run, one walk, pitched really well, did exactly what they needed to in that doubleheader game. Then they bring him back four days later to pitch uh, on Wednesday in New York, didn't get out, didn't get an out in the second inning. He pitched one inning, gave up four hits, three runs, two walks. So it's hard, you know, a team like the Yankees preparing for you. When you come yeah. out of the pen, they don't know who's coming in. You right. Know, they they right. do their they do their uh meeting and stuff and they have their scouting report. But if the guys are watching an hour video on you before the game, it's totally different. And it's it's also it's just awkward, you know, when I used to do rehab games and, and they'd have you pitch that first inning so you get yeah. out of there. I didn't even want to do that. It's, just, it's awkward starting the game. It almost throws your routine off more. You know, there's more time to think and stuff. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I wouldn't expect, I don't think that's, he's failing or anything. It's just, yeah. it's not a role that he's necessarily cut out for at this time. Yeah. He didn't know the first time. He kind of was thrust right. into that. And he yeah. had time to think about it the second time. You think about the Yankees. Yeah. You know, I think the opener concept works well for the Tampa Bay Rays. Because they're getting six to eight innings out of two or three of their starters in yeah. the games between using that that opener, that reliever. Explain to people why it doesn't work for a team that's getting two or three innings out of a lot of starters to use an opener. Well, I mean, everything we've been talking about, um, it, that's the thing is, you know, the teams that are doing it, they're doing it with, with big-time arms, big-time prospects, uh, guys that are being groomed to start anyway. You know, they're yeah. used to getting up, getting down, and doing all that. Um, you start asking a reliever to do it. That's, you know, he didn't even know he's doing it the first time, but you start asking relievers to do it. Um, it's, it's just a totally different game. You know, the, the other team's prepared. You, you're trying to have a game plan all of a sudden when you're used to just throwing at the glove. Um, I mean, it should just throw you off, but, um, you know, it's, I don't, I don't have any answers here. I, I don't yeah. know what the move is, but I just, I feel like they're trying everything and, and they're just going to keep trying everything until something sticks. But, um, it's going to be the same thing when you call it prospects too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Calling up a prospect, the Tucker Davidson and number one pitch prospect, Ian Anderson are the candidates along with Patrick Weigel. That would excite some of the fan base. Obviously they've been howling for it, but it's a gamble because it might pay off if one, you know, proved to be ready like Soroka when he came up at 20 against the Mets at, at New York. But the chances are far greater that Davidson or Anderson We've only pitched about a month each above double A level. Last year in triple A, Anderson had a six five seven ERA and five starts in triple A. Davidson had a two eight four and four. To me, Davidson's the more likely guy. He's two years older. He's on the forty man roster. So it's, to me, it's obvious among those two. I mean, unless unless Anderson has just made huge strides that I'm not aware of during this Gwinnett time, but this spring, Davidson still looked like the guy's closer to being ready. So, but even with him, you come up, there's a very good chance he's going to struggle. I mean, and people are going to go, no, can't we develop any pitching prospects? You know what I mean? It takes time. Yeah. I mean, well, they'd be saying the same thing about Tukey or Wright if they're in AAA right now. Sure. You sure. know, uh, 
it's it's just it's a it's a coin flip how somebody's going to handle the major leagues, um, and it's really honestly they just kind of got to keep giving guys opportunity and burning through them and getting answers, and it, it's tough yeah. to do during a major league season when you're trying to win games, but it's really the only option right now. Bryce Wilson, they keep giving chances. You know, I know it's not he hadn't had a chance to get you know make five or six starts and, and stay in the rotation, but the guy just when he gets in a game in a major league game that. The walks just kill his chances. He just yeah. puts too many guys on. So they got faulty down at the, the Gwinnett site. He's supposedly putting on some weight and through, been long tossing and getting the arm strength back, whether it's translating to velo, not sure yet, but we could see him in September. We'll see. I mean, last year when he spent seven weeks down in AAA, came back, it was a new guy. If you could add him and Hamels for that last couple of weeks in, in September and have him for the playoffs – Changes everything. If yeah, either one, it's just either one, or so both. many ifs. It, yeah. it's just so many ifs. Yeah, um, we talked about free. He's done a great job stepping in. Tuki, great job. One game, next game, not so much. Young guy. It's you know, it's uh, it's different if it's one sixty two and you could live with that. But in sixty games, you know, so far they've been able to live with it. But they, they you know, you hope they can reset coming out of this thing and have a. Guys go a little bit deeper, and, and the bullpen's going to be fresh, obviously. But uh, it's time they got to get creative, and it, it's not easy. There's nothing easy out there. The trade deadlines, believe it or not, in a couple of weeks, a little over two weeks. Yeah, and, I mean, this uh, is one of one of those things that you look back on next time people are doubting the fact that you can never have too much pitching prospects. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, these are the situations you wind up in where where that really gets emphasized, where it's it's pretty clear that it'd be nice to have one or two more guys that just to throw in the mix right now, but really there's not a shortage. It's just nobody's stepping up. So yeah, the other thing is that people have asked about, could you get one of these guys stretched out to start? And the obvious guys, Tomlin, the Braves love him for his versatility in that pen. And I can see why they don't want to confine him to pitching every no. five days. He's great. in the you need him, he's in. but and he's, he's been so huge in this exact yeah. situation, you know, taking him out of it to try to fix it. Yeah, it could cost you even more. And he's the rare guy that loves that role too. He's yeah. fully embraced it the last couple of years. So forget him. The other two are Matzik and Green, both of whom are former major league starters. By the way, kind of failed starters for different reasons. You know, Matzik with the yips, Green just did not. It didn't work as a starter. So Matzik and Green, we asked them both in the last week. Green a couple of days ago, Matzik uh, a little over a week ago, about the idea of moving from bullpen to rotation. And here's what they said. Their quotes. You tell me what they what you think when you hear this. Okay. <laughs> Matzik said, "I love the relief role. It allows me to go out there and just attack the hitter. I've been doing start. it. <laughs> I've been doing it now for a couple of years. Indie ball, some minor leagues as well. And I feel like I'm thriving in that position. But I'm here to do whatever the team wants me to do. If they see that we can win more games with me being a starter, I'm up for that too. If they want me to come in and face the minimum three guys and that's the base, best way we're going to win, I'm good for that too. The game's about winning, and I'm just going to go out there and do what I can to win. <laughs> yeah, he's basically saying I'm pretty happy in the relief role and shit's yeah. not falling apart from me. I'd like to just keep this going. You know, <laughs> it's been a rough that's ride. That's been a really rough ride. Really? Uh, After everything I went through, you got to risk but, me going yeah, back? But I, I don't want to be a dickhead and say I don't want to do it because this team kind of needs me. You know, I'll try, but I'm not that confident in this. <laughs> that's exactly what I heard. That's, that's what I'm hearing. Just me. The Shane Green, a couple of days ago, asked yeah. him about – about uh, you know the idea of maybe being a you know an <laughs> opener or starting, and he yeah. said, 
I'm comfortable where I'm at. <laughs> there's there's a reason why I was put in the bullpen in the first place, and I've had most of my success out of the bullpen. I think that I'd be better. I would be a better starter now than I've ever been before in previous years, just because I've had time in the big leagues to adjust to hitters and learn how to pitch. I understand what it means to manage a game better now because I've because I've been in the bullpen and I know how important it is for starters to eat up innings. When before, when I was starting, I was happy if I was going four shutout. I was okay with that. And now I realize it's more important to go five, six, seven, eight innings and manage the game. I think throughout the course of a normal season, being able to manage the game and get innings helps the team in the long haul. Um, same, same quote, pretty much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hey, I've messed I've this had, up enough. I mean, I'll yeah. try it if, if you need me to. I'll go out there and give it my best. But uh, I'll do anything, but <laughs> I really like what I'm doing, and there's a reason I'm doing it. That's what yeah. I heard too, man. <laughs> I'm going to say all the right those things. Aren't, those aren't the most encouraging quotes. Anytime they both start out with, you know, a bullpen's been pretty good to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. I like that. There's a reason I was in the yeah. bullpen to begin with, and I've had most of my success in the bullpen. Even if but, you're the manager, you know, if you're the manager and you ask the guys and you get that answer, you, yeah. you know, you're probably thinking yeah. it's not plan B right there. And I think the guys would be a little more uh, uh, forthright with the manager in a closed door meeting too. Like I really do like pitching in the pen. Yeah. I mean, I'll start if you want me to, but I'm just warning you. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm really good in this role and I don't I've know messed, about that other one. I've messed up the starting thing quite a few times. I, I think you want to throw me out there. I'll give it all I got, but uh, it hasn't used either one of them yet in that role. I already even talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably talked to him and gotten even more clear of an answer than that. Uh, anyway. All right. Just to wrap this up. I don't know if you saw what I wrote. It's in the, it's in the uh, notebook today, but about the, uh, you know, Liberty media has to, put out a financial statement, unlike all the other baseball teams who don't, who just, who don't disclose any of their losses and stuff because they're not publicly owned. They're not, they're not uh, publicly traded. The Braves have stock. So they have to put out a financial statement every quarter. So Liberty does. And usually that looks really good. And the Braves are left, uh, you know, to explain why they make this much money and they don't raise the payroll. Well, this year or this quarter, they don't have to explain why they're not raising payroll because oh my. the revenues plunged every bit or more than you might possibly have thought they could. First of all, you got to consider this is a team that played a baseball team that played 41 home games during the, the second quarter of 2019, the quarter being April through June. So they played 41 home games in that period a year ago. They played no home games in that period this year, of course, because the coronavirus shutdown was going on. So, Here's what happened. Their Bla the Braves' revenues plunged 95% for the quarter compared to 2019. The revenues went from $208 million for that quarter a year ago to $11 million this year. Oof. They went from turning a profit of $62 million for that quarter a year ago to losing $26 million, operating loss of $26 million this year. Uh, I asked Terry McGurk about it, the chairman. He said every major league baseball team is dealing with the same short-term economics that is emblematic of our report. He said, all I can do, all I can tell you is that I expect things to return to normal at some point in our sport. And I like our competitive position when that happens. Uh, Liberty divides the raised revenues into two categories, baseball revenues and real estate revenues from the battery, the entertainment retail complex, yeah. the truest park. Well, the baseball revenues fell for the quarter from 198 million to 5 million. 
I don't even know where the five million came from. Probably selling, you know, gear and and you know whatever. Or something. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But battery revenues also fell forty percent from uh, to six million because rental income was deferred. In other words, they didn't let they made some people yeah. not they didn't have to pay or they couldn't pay. You know, the rental during the coronavirus mm-hmm. shut down because some of those bars and restaurants have been shut. And the ones that aren't are not doing much business. So. Uh, operating expenses also down drastically, obviously, because they're not traveling and they weren't plant paying players. Uh, so they went from operating expenses went from 160, 146 million for that quarter in 19 to 37 million for that period this time. Uh, but the debt is also up. Liberty reported the debt went from 60, 60, 698 million on March 31st this year to 718 million at the end of June. Most of the debt is from construction costs for Truist Park and from the battery because they're still building on the battery. So, and now there's a report in the Business Journal today about the uh, Braves uh, Liberty's talking about selling part of the battery. So, to me, it, I don't know if think they'd come out and say this, but to me, it's not worked out the way they'd hoped. It's not booming in all categories. You know, anytime the real well, there's no baseball. Venture. Yeah, there's no baseball. But it's a tougher sell than I think maybe they thought for some things like retail because nobody's going to the battery for retail and they thought they would. They're going for bars and restaurants before and after games, you know, and then good restaurants, you know, and, and bars on off days, but not for retail. Nobody's going there to buy clothes or anything else. So No, you just figure people are walking by and just swing swing in and pick up a Puma shirt or whatever they're selling around there. But Right, on the way to the game, on the way back from the game. But, you know, some of the other retail ideas, nobody's going to buy a purse and then go to the game, you know? No, yeah. where are you going to put it? Yeah, exactly. Nobody's going to buy anything they don't, they're not using for the game. They're not going to buy it before they go to the game. And then most of those places are closed retail after a game. So that yeah. it wasn't a good concept as far as that. And it, where it's located – Buckhead, if you're going to go shopping, you're going to go to one of the world-class malls that's right there in Buckhead, Phipps Plaza or Lenox Square right across the street, you know? They're not that far away. No. Yeah, I mean, that's you're doing your shopping there. I, I, I kind of feel like a jackass with some of the stuff I was saying about team money, though, earlier on in the year, seeing these numbers. But yeah, there's a situation where it would be good for teams to open up their books, you know, yeah. if, if stuff like that's happened. And then, yeah, the then they teams. don't look so bad on that um, on the arguments and, you know, all the all – the, yeah. the, Stuff going on with the the revenues and the broadcast the, revenues were also obviously drastically down for the first yeah. quarter and all that. So that's yeah. You know, but man, I I guess I wasn't really thinking in terms of ninety five percent down. Whew. I don't that's think rough. anybody believed them. <laughs> I guess they weren't lying. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, on that bright note. <laughs> Braves got a chance to do some damage this weekend uh, against the Marlins. The Marlins, who will barely resemble the Marlins that you saw the last time you saw them because they've replaced more, literally more than half their roster with guys from all over, far-flung places to replace all the COVID-19 guys. So I'm kind of curious what they're going to run out there because I haven't seen them play a game either since then. They're never on TV, obviously. It'd be nice if they just rolled over for a series. Bray's got a chance, but they're going to do it without – you know, Acuna and Albies in the lineup. So they got Azuna. They got Freddie. They got the catchers. They got plenty of weapons. They got they could go down there and sweep if they just get some decent pitching performances. They could sweep. That'd be a good yeah, way this, to start the, after the break. After the well, this is the you know those are the series that's the the teams that win a division always beat up on the bad yeah. teams. You, yeah. you battle against the good ones, and and then a team like this rolls in with half their roster, and and you try to win at least you know two out of three. But it'd be real nice to sweep them. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you guys on uh, Tuesday and 
be back home and they hope to have Acuna back in the lineup Monday or Tuesday. It will be reexamined on Monday. Didn't sound like it's real bad. It's just inflammation. It's nothing, you know, it's kind of thing that guys who hit so much. Yeah. That can happen, you know, especially young guys, you know, uh, that are still developing. I mean, these guys hit a lot. They hit in the cage. Maybe they hit, maybe sometimes it's too much, but it's hard as a hitting coach to tell guys to, to back off. I know they have to do that with Albies because he's in there all the time. But, yeah, and that's when you irritate it, though, too. Yep. It's, it's, you know, you, you could yep. take your BP off and then just go out to the game. You're only swinging 15 times, but yeah. how are you going to be in the game? I remember the year Javi Lopez had some kind of a nagging injury, um, and he stopped taking BP. P. Freddie stopped taking BP that year at, when his wrist was hurt. He never hit, took BP at all. Was never on the field before the game. Javi Lopez that year he had his best year for the Braves. Hit like forty homers. Set a set a record for catchers or whatever. That year he didn't take BP one time. He would go in a batting cage, indoor batting cage, take a few swings, smoke a cigarette, and play. And he had his <laughs> best year. Yeah, I mean sometimes you know you create bad habits overworking because you start doing things when you're fatigued or tired. But it, you know, there's something to be said about just keeping it simple and staying fresh. I mean, yeah. it could be a it could be a real good thing for Acuna, you know, just some time off and, and downtime. But he definitely yeah. it's not something you play through because you're just going to irritate it more every time you swing. All right, well, we'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. Thanks for hanging in there with us, and uh, we appreciate all the support. Seven fifty five is real. We're out. Mm-hmm.